Let me get you some help, True. You're not well. Why do you want to have a baby with me? You can't stand me. That's not true. Why don't you let me fix you some of this new Mo cocoa drink? All natural cocoa beans from the upper slopes of Mount Nicaragua, no artificial sweeteners. What the hell are you talking about? Who are you talking to? I've tasted other cocos. This is the best. No. What does this have to do with anything? Tell me. It's happening! Well, you're having a nervous breakdown. That's what's happening. You're part of this, aren't you? What will it be? It's the Ruined Childhoods Podcast. Greetings, Starfighters. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Ruined Childhoods. My name's Dan, and my co-host over there on the other end is my brother, John. How are you, John? I'm doing okay, Dan. How about yourself? Well, I'm doing all right, you know. As Joe Cocker says, feeling all right. Or said, I guess. I don't think he says anything anymore. Pretty sure he's dead. Yes, uh, I believe you're right. Uh, Dan, I I feel like we've had a bit of a uh, a respite now that we have gone from <laughs> a an episode where we're talking about an entire franchise that in, that spans decades for Planet of the Apes, and now we are moving on to just a a singular film that I didn't yes. even need to rewatch. I'm going to be honest; I've seen it recently enough. It's fresh that uh, it didn't require. A rewatch. I, not that I wouldn't have if it were more available. Well, and as you also said, you uh, watched it again not too long ago. And we are talking, of course, about 1998's The Truman Show. Of course. Which, which I had not rewatched in a while, but I keep it on hand. I, I have my my DVD copy. Yeah. So and and honestly, the Truman Show is not a film that I have felt the need. I was like, oh man, Truman Show 4K, mm, that's tempting. But I I'm like, you know what? Th- this film, I value it for uh for so many other things. But anyway, yeah. Um, I did rewatch it. I watched it um last night. But it's one of those that I think I had just been waiting. I'm like, I want to rewatch the Truman Show at some point, but it's not it's not a movie that I want to have on in the background, even though I've seen it several no, times. It's a it's watcher. A movie. No, when I watch it, I liked it. And I watched it in, in two sittings because I cannot watch it. It's rare that I can watch a movie in one sitting anymore. But um, watched it in two sittings. It really... Uh, it took the time to, to watch it. And part of, I think part of the reason why I decided against like, you know, paying $4.99 for a digital copy so that I could like, you know, watch it, um, you know, clean in the kitchen is like, I did not want that. Like I wanted to, uh, like there's 
maybe one place in the house where I can watch this movie and I can't just take it with me anywhere. And I wanted that because I'm like, no, I want to commit to this. Well, uh, I, I have some things that I that I want to talk about. A couple of one more things for our last episode. But I do want to say watching the Truman show like while you've got other stuff going on, cleaning the kitchen would feel very true to the Truman show as yes. so many people in the movie watch the Truman show wherever they are in their house. The, and when I'm talking about the show, it's the show within the show. Yes. The show yes. within the movie, rather. Of course, yes. No, indeed they do. But and we'll talk more about that in a little bit. But you said you had you had um a more more than one more thing. Oh yes. I, I had a few things. And honestly All about the apes. Uh what's that? All about the apes or uh All about back. the apes. All, All about, about the, the apes. apes. And I I know that if I had more time to organize my thoughts, I'd have even more than this, but I did want to Add to what we had talked about with the 2001 Planet of the Apes reboot, the Tim Burton film, because Mm -hmm. we were talking about the ending and spoiler alert uh, for anybody who hasn't seen the 2001 Planet of the Apes, which has a different ending than the 1968 Planet of the Apes. Yes. But uh, in that one, we were talking about how Mark Wahlberg's character, Leo Davidson, ends up in Washington, D.C., thinking that it's his, you know, proper timeline and everything is exactly as he left it. But when he sees the Lincoln Memorial, it is a an ape version of Abe Lincoln uh, instead, which is perplexing to begin with. But that it is Not General Abe Lincoln, it has to be said. Yes, but it's uh, General Thade, which is Tim Roth's character. And uh, uh, I was kind of I was reading about it a little bit more on the Planet of the Apes wiki on fandom.com. And it says the writers of the 2001 film have stated that they had no particular explanation for its ending, leaving the authors of a potential sequel to decide how it logically fits together. So there was no reasoning behind like, oh, because you were speculating that Fade went back in time and Biff Tannened it. Well, and- that was what I had read on, I want to say, just regular, like, Wikipedia I, in the synopsis. I mean, perhaps that's specul- That's someone else's speculation. Yeah, then. no, yeah, I mean, if you're getting it Wikipedia, from the, uh, yes. the, the screenwriters. It says, uh, an insert in the DVD release suggested that Thade took Leo Davison's crash space pod, went to a point earlier in his history, and became a prominent leader in the Ape Uprising, how Thade learned to swim or to otherwise recover the underwater space pod or acquired supporters for such an improbable undertaking is unexplained. So... Yeah, I mean, that's kind of, I mean, that's just kind of in a little bit of supplemental information that who knows who wrote that. But so Fox was just like, set it up for a sequel at the end. We don't care how. Yeah. And so I don't know, but that is a sequel that we'll we'll never see. Um, Another thing that I wanted to mention that I thought was worth mentioning is that in War for the Planet of the Apes, you know, Woody Harrelson's character, I always just want to call him Kurtz because uh, right. I don't know what his name was, but he is essentially the apocalypse now. Yeah. Uh, Kern- Colonel Kurtz. He's yeah, a Colonel, Colonel Kurtz. And uh, so his militia, they have an insignia of an alpha and omega. 
And that is the symbol that also appears on the nuclear bomb that destroys Earth and beneath the planet mm, of the apes. Yes. So I, uh, Matt Reeves and the creative crew behind this current ongoing series is really being thoughtful about making connections to the original series and not just the first movie, you know, so, you know, yeah. multiple movies throughout, even though it doesn't necessarily connect to the continuity of how the ape uprising begins. And, you know, there's people, there's names like Nova that get tossed around and right. You know, things like that. But Caesar and Caesar, uh, you know, the character of Caesar in the original series yeah. really doesn't. I mean, he's he's Milo in the in the third one, he's, but he's Milo in the third one. But then is then renamed to Caesar in the fourth one. Right. Right. Yeah. Anyway, Armando. The first chimpanzee born in a circus. You just love doing your Ricardo Montalban. <laughs> Impenetrable. Yeah. So uh, that's all I wanted to mention. There's just, there's so much more to say for sure, but you know, we can leave it at that for now. Absolutely. Did you have anything that you wanted to add? No. Great. Nothing. No, I, nothing. <laughs> no, I think we, we probably, I said it all. I don't know. Next time I watch the Planet of the Apes movies, I might have more. And I like, I do, I, I kind of want to go back and rewatch the, the sequels in the original series, not not like right away, but like, yeah, those will be fun to rewatch one day. They'll be fun to rewatch until. Yeah, yeah. No, they're definitely fun to rewatch. I mean, they're especially Escape from the Planet of the Apes when yeah. it's it's very like cheeky and, you know, early 70s, uh, I, you know, silly. You know what I will say though for but for beneath the planet of the apes though the uh the like telekinetic um like oh, yeah. cave dwellers um like I don't know there's something like I keep coming back to that and like how they all worship that the like the missile and there's something yeah. about that like 70s there's just a very like 70s filmmaking vibe of it that like 70s studio films. Well, and-, and that was something that I was thinking about when we were talking in our after hours episode, you know, we were talking about a lot of the directors that came along and shaped, you know, I guess more, more of the highbrow cinema of different eras. Right. And, you know, I guess around this time uh, you would have, I mean, Francis Ford Coppola, was I mean, well, Stanley well, Kubrick for sure. I uh, oh, Kubrick had yeah, Kubrick had been been around. Kubrick had been around for quite a while, but had continued on during that time and was doing some of the more oh, well, highbrow cinema. His signature work. I mean, two thousand one comes out in sixty the, the following sixty eight or sixty nine. Yeah, um, I, th- I thought it was yeah, like sixty eight. I think two thousand one comes out in sixty eight. Got beat for best picture by Oliver. Yeah, 1968, so same year as the original Planet of the as Apes. The, yeah, yeah, so you talk about it. Wow, man, and about a year for I, sci-fi. I, 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 this is just something that I remembered hearing a while ago, and I don't have verification on it, but I remember that there was some, like, race of release because of the uh, the ape, you oh. know, uh, makeup and, and costuming f- between the two, and... Uh, Granted, they went in different directions, but I think that it was more of just like a, hey, look what we could do kind of a thing. Right, right. Yeah. 
Um, but no, but back to your point. No, you've got like Coppola and Scorsese and uh, De Palma and Lucas are all like, you know, doing their like in the late 60s, they're doing their uh you know whatever like their grad school yeah they're just they're just getting started yeah i mean i think like i feel like coppola's first i think dementia 13 was uh was maybe 68 or 69 uh that was 63 actually oh, oh shit really yeah okay. uh oh. so he had tonight for sure in 1962 dementia 13 and 63 66 you're a big boy now as well and then 68 finian's rainbow but you know, 1972 was Godfather. Um, well, yeah, yeah. So it was, you know, he, he was just kind of. I guess the Rain People in '69, you know, with uh, James Con, Robert Duvall, you know, things are starting mm-hmm. to get going there. I believe like, well, you got freaking... George Lucas was involved with that a little bit. Oh, Lucas was in that whole circle, and like American exactly. Graffiti comes out. Yeah. So and, you have yeah. the the kind of more auteur filmmakers at this time. And oh yeah. I uh, when it comes to science fiction, which the first Planet of the Apes is, you know, it's space travel and and things like that. You know, it it definitely stands out from the others as at times being a little bit more uh, artistic. You know, there's a lot of those first shots when they first land on the planet and they're you know, walking through the desert and the mountains. Yeah. And there's a lot of really beautiful stuff going on. It's really once yeah. they get inside the like ape civilization that, you know, things, you know, when there's the like the the orangutans doing the see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil type of thing. And they, there's all the cheeky lines coming out. You yeah. know, that's when it kind of takes a little bit of a, a less artistic turn. But yeah, um, anyway, that's. We talked about this on the last episode. Yeah, no, but I do think that I think in terms of it, of like quality, I do think Planet of the Apes has stood clearly has the original has stood up as something more than just like a schlocky. This is not a B movie. It, it you know, no. it, it has stood out as, you know, um, you know, kind of landmark of cinema, you know, yeah. really, you know, much like how 2001 has. Right. In a different regard. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of filmmakers who are getting their start, I guess, really in the early 70s, we got Peter Weir. Yeah. All director right. of The Truman Show. Director of the... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I did get that. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Peter Weir, I think that for most people, I, I think the picnic at Hanging Rock was, was a a bigger one for, for Peter Weir in 75, but definitely for most people, it was dead poet society in 89. I guess mosquito coast was pretty big. Um, oh, witness in 85, the year of wait. living dangerously in 82. Well, I think Gallipoli was big, especially in Australia. Yeah. Um, right. Witness and dead poet society were huge. Can we, let's just talk about witness for two seconds. Witness we can talk about rules witness for two seconds. Witness rules. Witness is great. Witness is really great. Man, you know who's great in Witness? Danny Glover. I don't think there's anybody who's bad in Witness. No, there is nobody who's bad. But I, I think I love it because Danny Glover plays a bad guy, and that's just... I don't that know, is true. See that too I often. mean, he is bad in Witness, but only because he's the bad guy. Yeah, yes. So, okay. So, <laughs> so anyway, uh, and then some other films of his 
the, so there was Green Card, which I remember getting nominated for a bunch of Oscars. I never saw it. I never seen Green Card either. We should do that one. We've never done a Depardieu. Uh, Have we never done a Depardieu? We've never done a Depardieu. We should do That's a our Depardieu. vocal exercise. We need to do like a vocal exercise before we record. Will you, won't you, Will we ever do, do a Depardieu? A Depardieu. <laughs> no, and that would be an interesting one to... Uh... Depardieu? Maybe let's dip our don't. Well, okay. <laughs> Anymore. Sorry. All right. We're, we're, we're done with that bit. Um, but uh-huh. yes. Anyway, I never saw Green Card. No, well, let's save it. Let's save it. Okay. Let's, we'll come back to it. Okay. We don't okay. want to over dip our do Okay. It. So after Green Card, he does Fearless. Fearless. Uh, uh, have you ever seen Fearless? I have never seen Fearless. Jeff Bridges, Isabella Mussolini, Rosie Perez, John Turturro, just an all-star cast. Rosie Perez, I think, got nominated for an Oscar for Fearless. She she's rules. Fa- oh, she's great in it. Yeah. Fearless is a great movie. I mean, Jeff Bridges, man. But Fearless is one of those where I feel like Peter Weir really kind of like leans into style. Uh-huh. Much though, I'm you know similarly to how to how he does in the Truman Show. Truman Show is style this way and that. Yeah, I feel like I feel like Witness and Dead Poet Society. I, while they definitely have a signature visual style, are yeah. less. Um, they're more typical. They're I mean you know great movies, but yeah. And yeah. Uh, after Truman Show, we are did Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World, which I haven't seen but i know I've that it is it either i know that it's beloved uh you know among people who are into that kind of thing yeah <laughs> so uh i'm not at all opposed and then i took a nice long break and then did the movie the way back with uh colin farrell and sarah sharonin uh, ed harris ed harris you know teaming up with ed harris again so i want to see that one I, I i remember hearing about that and that one's like I, I think I want to see that. I just don't know when I'm going to be in the mood to watch that. But yeah, um, yeah that looks like a looks like a good movie. Yeah. But The Truman Show, it's a it's a classic. <sighs> yeah. Truman Show is one of those movies that um, has just aged so well. And yeah. just kind of looking as I was as I was just kind of like, you know, uh, surfing the web, if you will, looking for various takes on it. Are you talking seeing... about the information superhighway? The net? Yeah, I took a little ride on the information superhighway. I pulled off at this at at the Vanity Fair exit, and you know, it's like here's an article about how how much the Truman Show anticipated and how like reality TV. Oh yeah, had not had the boom had not happened yet. As of 1998, no. and you certainly didn't have as much, like there was reality, like there was the real world and, you know, maybe a couple of other things, but there wasn't as much of this just, like the Truman Show is just this regular dude's life. Yeah. And, you know, I think there's a lot of uh, pieces. In fact, you know what, John, there was a piece posted um Earlier today, it is the 31st of May, 2023, and um, is this uh, BBC, BBC Culture, The Truman Show, has a film ever predicted the future so accurately? 
So, and I, you know, of course it is the 25th anniversary. Of, I was just going to say we're, Joe. we're about a month away from the, the actual anniversary. So, uh, way to go us on, uh, accidentally celebrating its 25th anniversary. I was not absent from my mind uh, okay. during, during the selection process. I like that though. I'm into that. I like doing, I like talk. I'm like, Oh yeah, it's the 25th anniversary. Let's talk about the Truman show. But yeah, but it makes sense why people would be, you know, writing some more articles about it. It's revisiting it's one it. of those movies that comes up where it's people like to check back in with it, especially because it, it did forecast so much about what's relevant in society now. And even though, you know, it's it, rather than TV, it's much more like social media yeah. and following people's every every movement. But it's so it's it's such a parallel. Um, and John, did you know about this thing? Did you know about um, Truman Show Syndrome? Well, yeah, I was hoping that we talk about that after we kind of go through like the movie, movie, movie. Oh, there's a teaser. OK, great. OK, Let's talk about shall I shall I synopsize? Go for it. Okay, so uh, a little bit of behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, we weren't originally going to be recording right now, but got a text from Dan. Hey, I'm available. Let's do it. And I was like, girl, okay. So uh, this synopsis I created with the assistance of artificial intelligence, and I think that it did quite well. Meet Truman Burbank, an ordinary man living an extraordinary life, or so he thinks. Unbeknownst to him, his entire existence is an elaborately staged television show with every moment meticulously scripted and orchestrated for the entertainment of millions. As Truman begins to question his reality and notice the inconsistencies around him, he embarks on a journey to uncover the truth. With cameras watching his every move, Truman's quest for freedom becomes a thrilling game of cat and mouse. Packed with clever satire and unexpected twists, the Truman Show delves into the perils of voyeurism, media manipulation, and the quest for authenticity. So this is very famously Jim Carrey's like turn into drama, going away from the like wacky Ace Ventura, Dumb and Dumber, The Mask type stuff and going into something with more depth. And uh, he nailed it. Yeah. You know, John, it's fun. And uh, man, it kind of pains me to say this. I w but watching it on this last go around, there were these moments when he would do a Jim Carrey thing, whether oh. it's like when he's in the car and he, no, I know, I know, I know it's, it's hard to say because it's like, it's him, it's genuine, but they were, it was like actions and faces and sounds that called back characters like ace ventura oh yeah i mean there's still going to be that inside of him but yeah, to have I, a movie yeah. that actually has meaning behind it and uh, where his character is more than a catchphrase his oh, character no. is a character yes. who has a catchphrase but yes yes yeah. No, 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 absolutely. I think he was, I think, you know, he's wonderful in this. This is, I mean, I would pr probably have to revisit Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which I would say is probably my 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 top, like, Jim Carrey performance. Yeah, it's mine, yeah. But this is a, this is a close second. Huh. I, think I, it's I mean, just, there's, there's a lot of Jim Carrey. I mean, Man on the Moon is really incredible. Yeah, I... <sighs> Man on the Moon frustrated me. It frustrated you. 
It fr- Man on the Moon frustrated me because both being a, a fan of Andy Kaufman and having, mm-hmm. you know, read multiple biographies and and watched his his bits, I was disappointed in the film as a whole. I wasn't disappointed in Jim Carrey's performance. I was disappointed okay. that the film, it just felt more like some bullet points and it felt like there were a lot of opportunities missed with that film. And I think that I don't know what the screenplay was originally like, but and I don't know what was shot, like how much was shot and, you know, what what it was edited down to. But I felt like the final film just didn't do it for me in the way that I that I had hoped going into it, knowing the stories. I mean, this movie was a movie that, and I don't know, maybe my my expectations were too high because I mean, it's about one. it was about one of my favorite comedians um, made by one of my favorite directors. Uh, Is he one of your favorites? Milos Forman. I mean, I would, I loved Amadeus as a child. That's true. Yeah. yeah. But I also thought, I mean, like people versus Larry Flint is, um, an incredible film. Uh, and it's the same team behind that, which is why I had such high hopes that man on the moon would be more at that level of the people versus Larry Flint. Yeah. But it just felt, it was kind of disjointed and it was, it was weird having Danny DeVito, who was a cast member on Taxi with Andy Kaufman in the movie, not playing Danny DeVito. So, like, that was weird, especially when they had the Taxi cast members coming in. Yeah, I think it just, I don't know if it was just that the expectations were too high. Yeah, or Yeah, I mean, there was a lot, there were a lot of things. I think the pedigree and just my appreciation for the people versus Larry Flint might have been kind of the, uh, you know, uh, sealed the doom of Man on the Moon for me, so to speak. Okay. I mean, a score by R.E.M., my, at the time, you know, my one of my top three bands. Sure, yeah. Um, you know, what What else? Uh, Paul Giamatti was in it, and, and, and that's our connection back to The Truman Show here. Our connection to The Truman Show, yeah. Paul Giamatti, uh, who plays the control room director... Whose name is it? Simon. It's written as it's written as Simeon, which is our connection to oh. uh, the two thousand one well, Planet no. of the Apes that he was in. Also starring, yeah, Paul Giamatti, right? Yeah. So there's a def, there's a there's a right. through line here. Well, okay. So just kind of going back a little bit, Jim Carrey. This is, uh, you know, his first starring role in a you know more of a drama you know it's got its moment it's funny moments to it but more of a drama yeah. uh you know he's been in dramas before he was in the movie the deadpool one of the dirty harry movies oh right uh, yeah. yeah yeah so uh you know it's not his we his first about it. <laughs> yeah it's not his first time uh doing drama but in a starring role for sure and yes you do you do see elements of his uh, charisma, but I feel like that is what the you know why Truman is so enjoyable to watch for so many millions of people is that you know he uh, he's not that ordinary. He's, well, he's ordinary. also been ra- I get, he's been raised to be a television star. So which was that which was something that I thought about too as I was like trying to make that make sense for myself was 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 kind of like. You know, oh yeah, because he even has a catchphrase. Yeah, good morning, in case I don't see it. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Which is like, you know, I'm sure that that was part of the plan is to get him a catchphrase. I mean, the entire, like, 
his entire life is crafted around him being um, the star of his own show, which is it's funny because how I mean, uh, I, I guess maybe not everyone, but at, at one point or another, I feel like uh, a lot of people will, you know, kind of look at their life as a show you know, they're, they're the star and there's like the regular cast members and then there's the featured cast members. And, you know, it's kind of like it, it's a way that you can look at your life, especially if you've been raised on the like pop culture of episodic television. You know, and there, there's been a trend over the past year or two of I, I think this is more of a social media thing where it's like somebody's showing somebody on video where it's just like, oh, this person is definitely, you know, the not the main character of the, you know, or this person is the main character of their show. And it's just like, or that's the sidekick oh. in a show. And people do look at the world through that lens of, oh, they are most certainly acting as if they are the main character today, you know, that kind of mm-hmm. a thing. Another movie that I, I was kind of thinking about a lot as watch as I was watching the Truman show which is funny because it's another 1998 film it's another film that I think has just uh, has um appreciated in, in value uh in the years since is Pleasantville yeah Pleasantville is very similar in tone I know that a lot of people kind of lump uh Ed TV in with the Truman show uh that's kind of the you know, uh, thematically Dante's it's... peak volcano, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. Yes. Yeah. 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 Pleasantville, I mean, is very literally they get sucked into a TV show. Well, right. And the kids the stay kid, tuned. Toby, Toby McGuire's character is obsessed with TV and like wants to look at life like it's a like it's a TV show. I mean, it's in that respect, it's similar there's a couple of other things like tonally that are similar about them but otherwise you know like the scene when they're all searching the town square for truman and they're all like Mm -hmm. walking with their arms linked it reminded me of some of the scenes um you know in the third act of pleasantville when you know jt walsh and all the like you know conservatives are like going like when they're burning books and everything are you, have you seen the HBO or I guess it's now just a Max show Max. called The Other Two? I have not. Okay, it's so funny. It's so 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 good. Uh, the third season is currently airing. I mean, they're being released, and there is a. It's it's a very it's a satirical show. It's very funny. Mm. There's things that just kind of are very loony. Um, the the cast is absolutely phenomenal, especially Ken Marino, who plays a talent manager named Streeter. You got me. And yeah, and Molly Shannon is the mother of these three children, one of whom, the youngest, is like a YouTube pop sensation named Chase Dreams. Anyway, and the show kind of revolves around Chase's two siblings, uh, one of whom is a, you know, uh, an aspiring actor. And... He, in the third season, is cast on this show. I, I'm i like, I'm blanking exactly on the, the title of it, but it's some sort of punny legal drama that's very formulaic. And it's so formulaic that everybody just has to stand on their marks, deliver the lines, and you do your take. As long as you're standing on your mark and delivering your lines... 
then you're good. And everybody gets to go home at five. And the next day, it's just the same thing. And mm. and the show, it like when he enters the set, is all black and white. And then once he starts to ask, like, well, what if my character, you know, took a drink of water? And everybody's just like, huh? And it's the idea of just like, these actors have no free thought and they do not have the ability to stray from what's directly written on the page of the script because then it would disrupt everything. And he little by little behind the scenes is, is getting people to learn more about improvising and, you know, walking through a scene. And as they get more involved, people turn from black and white to color and oh. it's it's a complete parody <laughs> of uh, of Pleasantville, oh, nice. and yeah, and it's so funny, and it's to the point where the star of the of that legal drama uh, becomes color, and then he has to like apply the gray makeup to her so she can hide it going on to set. It's oh, it's so good. Drew Tarver plays Carrie, who's the uh, the the aspiring actor. It's so okay, good. all right. It's yeah. such a funny show. Oh yeah. my god, it's so great. And you're selling it. You're selling it. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Molly Shen. Yeah, I mean, I'm buying. It's amazing. Uh, anyway, the Truman yeah. Show. Truman so, Show. Uh, just to talk more about the cast, we have Laura Linney, who plays Hannah Gill, who plays Meryl Burbank, Truman's wife. Ed Harris plays Christoph, who's the the, the mastermind, creator. the creator. Uh, Noah Emmerich, who uh, I know we are more familiar with from The Americans, <laughs> plays uh, Truman's best friend, Lewis. And uh, Natasha uh, McElhone is Sylvia, who is this woman who Truman wants to be with, but that's not. She the was plan. on the show. She was on the show when they were when they were in college, and then they they wrote her off because yeah. she was, you know, disruptive. Yeah, yeah. Holland Taylor plays Truman's mom. We talked about Paul Giamatti. Peter Krause uh, is in there. He's Laura, he's Truman's boss. Um, oh. Harry Shearer is a TV show host. Philip Baker Hall is a network executive. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, um, quite a cast. The performance. I really enjoy Laura Linney. I love. Um, oh, her performance is great. Oh man, the scene when she just starts going into the into the ads when they're they're in the house and yeah. she just doesn't know what else to do and Well, ah. it's really fascinating to see the moments where Laura Linney and Noah Emmerich's characters are clearly having struggles. You know, Laura Linney at a very climactic moment expresses she addresses the the camera crew. She addresses Kristoff in the middle of a scene. And uh, because Truman's trying to, you know, he knows. He's figured it out and he's trying to to make things happen. And Yeah. Uh, she, what did she say? I, won't, I won't, can't work under these conditions. Yeah. It's Help so me. good. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it's a great moment. It's one of those like, and this movie is, is um, how did I see it described on Wikipedia? It's so funny. It says a 1998 American satirical science fiction psychological comedy drama film. Yeah. And it's like, yes. <laughs> yes. Yes to all those things. Yes. It is. I mean, it has these moments where it's it's intense. It's it's kind of a, um, you know, it's a dystopian thing. 
another movie that it reminded me a lot of was Gaslight. Oh, yeah, of of course. I mean, he's being gaslit by every by the whole town, like the light when <laughs> yeah. the light falls and that like it's on the radio and oh, man, just the the, the construction of of this whole town and all of the things put in place to uh, to just guide this one person. Yeah. And and I love the way that they show the outside world. You yes. know, there are people who are obsessed with this show and there are people who see it for what it is, which is psychological torture and manipulation and are trying to free Truman. Yeah. And uh, there's this that whole free Truman movement that Sylvia becomes a big part of. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's great that they showed that because that's exactly what would be happening right yeah. now. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they I think that they just kind of establish at one point, like, it's all legal. And then, you know, that just kind of gives us the way to to get through. I think there's like an, an interview with Kristoff, you know, talking about it's like we legally adopted this, yeah. uh, you know, and it's all legal. The that, first yeah. the first uh, child to be adopted by a corporation. Yeah. So, I mean, like lines like that are so they're satirical, but they're also scary because it's so close to and satire is supposed to be scary. And because it's close to the reality it has that, and of of course, Andrew Nichol. Wrote I was this, just going to say Andrew Nichol, yeah, whose previous whose film, like directly before this, was Gattaca. Yeah, it was like the last script he had produced before this was Gattaca. And there's that similar, like they could they could exist in the same universe, you know. I guess except for that, no one in Gattaca is obsessed with watching the Truman Show, but yeah. it, there's well, that feel to it. Yeah, and so Andrew Nichol, just real quick, uh, following the German show a few years later, uh, wrote that movie and and directed uh, Simone with uh, Al Pacino. Oh. That's about you know it's it's a satirical science fiction film. It's, I saw you know, it. It's an artificial intelligence. Yeah, and I thought um, it was good. Yeah, yeah. I, I was a story writer for the Terminal, which is kind of a. It's a satirical, you know, film. Um, but you know, and, and following there were there were ones that maybe weren't su- as much, you know, high profile. Justin Timberlake one. Yeah, uh, in time. Yeah, but there's a lot of stuff that's you know science fiction leaning, and uh, I think that that's really, you know, it makes a lot of sense that he did the Truman Show. Yeah, uh, but this is so much like. Um, and Gattaca has a lot of like you know like we are one step away from this in reality I remember watching Gattaca in high school and it was because I was we were reading Brave New World oh okay and uh, my I believe it was a teacher named Mr. Levine and he Probably didn't feel like teaching for a week. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> it was like eh, uh, is close enough. Yeah. Probably had grading to do. Yeah. And, yes. you know, sure. I, and I'm happy for it. And I End remember it fondly. Probably. Oh, absolutely. It, yeah. It was, it was yes. probably this time 
you know. My students watched The Arrival, uh, or not The Arrival, just Arrival. Um, Did they? At the well, also I and it, there the connection was um, I was teaching a unit on language, and it was perspectives on language, and they had oh, all just written. She's a linguist. They had all just written essays and I was like, I need a few days to grade this. So it was like, OK, we've studied. I I worked it into the curriculum because I was like, you know, OK, we've studied how like communication works, you know, in our lives and, you know, in our country and all that. So what about communication from other planets and like yeah. how does language and it was really it was a cool way to and in fact like a lot of kids who were you know writing essays after they they watched the movie incorporated it and we're talking about you know the importance of language and communication so arrival is an excellent movie from 2016 yeah uh amy adams should have won the Academy Award, uh, directed yep. by uh, Denis Villeneuve, and just absolutely incredible. It's maybe the only movie that I can really enjoy Jeremy Renner in. Um, <laughs> no disrespect to the person. I know he's had a really tough year, but no, a lot of his acting roles I'm not crazy about. But, okay. but Arrival, I thought that he was great in Arrival. Yeah, um, great movie, and, and it's also one of those movies that because uh, when I watched it and showed it in school, it was my first time seeing it since the theater, and it, it's another movie like The Truman Show that you just it, like you gain every time you watch it, and you find yes. different things, and it appreciates in value. Yeah, Truman Show was also really uh, incredible with the way that it played with fun camera angles, uh, exploiting the fact that in order to create the Truman show, you would need to have hidden cameras, small cameras in all sorts of places. The Truman show is a reimagining of a 1988 twilight zone episode called special service in which a guy discovers that there's a camera in his like bathroom mirror and discovers that he's been on a 24 seven television show. Um, yeah, so I uh, no wonder the bathroom mirror scenes are such a and the bath like, uh, focal point. So good, yeah. those scenes. Oh my god, yeah. those are great. They're so revealing. The soap on the mirror. Yeah, yeah. But just all of his so much. Uh, just the through line of this guy who just is like it says so much about human nature that almost his obsession with adventure. Yeah is because of the this life that he's been put into and everybody else who who's in that world like they've experienced the outside world yeah and they and you know they they still do or they will again yeah so he's really the only one and of course they love it because the uh, the world outside, like especially, if, hey, if Truman Show and Pleasantville are taking place in the same universe, especially because Pleasantville takes place in L.A., the outside world is shitty and Sea Haven is it's perfect. This is wonderful. It's Why like, would you want to leave? No, exactly. I Why mean, would, I guess I guess if I lived in the house where Matt Gates grew up, I'd also want to uh, leave. 
Yes, yes. Oh, uh, oh yes, yes. Uh, I thought we were going to bring that up. <laughs> How could we not? Yeah, oh, so yeah. Sea Haven, sea Haven uh, is shot in a, is, is an actual community in Florida. I forget what it's called. I think it's uh, called Sea Haven. Oh, is it just called Sea Haven? Uh, right. I think so. Oh, uh, yeah. On the panhandle. Yeah, it's where uh, disgusting human snot uh, grew up. Matt Gates. God, yeah. that fucking slime trail. Yeah. A... Yeah. So uh anyway. that's that's Truman's house. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> oh but uh no, it's um it, it makes sense to to film it at a in a place like that where it's all very cookie cutter. Oh, it's um, perfect. It is a pleasantville. And yeah, it, it's kind of like, why would you want to leave here? And they do everything in their power to try and dissuade him from ever acting on a desire to leave. The fact that Sea Haven even has a travel agency is a little perplexing, but what are you going to do? A travel agency that warns you against flying. Oh, yeah. The posters in the travel agency are very funny because, yeah. you know, this entire place is designed for him. It's designed, you know, and that place is designed to keep him there. It's a reverse travel agency. You know, I noticed Sea Haven didn't have a movie theater. Well, what would, what would they show? Would they have to like create their own movies for it? I don't. I, don't I guess they probably would. I guess you. I mean, why not? Well, because if I mean, this is a show that's been on the air for twenty nine years. You know, clearly it's a a major success. I'm sure that uh, ad revenue on that show would bring in just zillions of dollars they could do whatever they wanted to yeah yeah anyway but anyway it, yeah but man what a what a great movie and and then just to also like i know we we talked a little bit about laura linney ed harris got nominated for an oscar for this sure yeah and he was great as well as his backwards kangle cap yeah, yeah. He's got it's some a look. Great, it's a look. There are just some there are some really nice moments and I and Harris is such a great eye actor. <laughs> and there are there are just some really nice, nice moments. Even though there's so much to dislike about his character, there are these moments where you're like where you see that like, oh, he feels paternal towards Truman. Yeah, yeah. He's I, got a god complex. I mean, he fucking yes. calls himself the creator. Yeah. Hugh the Sun is like, let there be light. Come yeah. on. Uh, so that's a great line, though. I bet you he loved saying that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Ed Harris. At, at this point, he's been in you know probably twenty twenty five movies. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, and just completely killing it and. You know, still still continuing to act is just uh, awesome. He, you know, I I hear that he's maybe not the the greatest dude in the world, but um, as an actor, great track record. I mean, The Rock alone, yes, puts you in the you know in the Hall of Fame for me. The Rock. If I was gonna so if I was gonna call out some Ed Harris favorites yeah, other than The Truman Show, I would. Definitely, definitely have to. Um, uh, well, the, the, was he in the right stuff? He was in yes, the right he stuff. was. He was John Glenn. Yeah. yeah. So I got, got to call out the right stuff. I loved him in Pollock. Pollock, yes, Pollock. 
uh, was another one. There's a state of grace mm-hmm. is a great one. Also fucking awesome. Gary Oldman movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I'm just, and I'm just going off the top of my head. I'm not like on IMDb or anything. Right. Um, I'm sure if I, if I, and I'm going to do that now, of course, because you know, yeah, Ed Harris. Um, but yeah, The Rock is it, The Rock is certainly a standout. Um, and and Pollock because he also directed Pollock, did he not? I believe he did. Yes. Um, and he didn't win the Oscar. Oh, Apollo thirteen. Yes, I was trying oh, to remember. Apollo I was 13, like, I yeah. swear he's in one of those movies. I was like, who is he in Apollo thirteen? Right, he's the uh, he's the control room like operator. The, he's yes, the, he's the yes. Christoph of uh of Mission Control. <laughs> um, yeah, no failure yeah. is not an option. He he basically says that in uh in in this. Uh, I'm I'm looking down his yeah. uh filmography here oh right westworld that was the recent thing oh that, yeah that he did yeah so uh let's talk a little bit about the truman show delusion which is it's not like an official it's not in oh, like the sorry what? the abyss was what was oh, i was trying to remember yeah. the abyss yeah we go. it's not in the you know official uh you know book of psychological disorders or whatever. I don't think you learn about it in med school. No, it's probably a curiosity or just a footnote somewhere, but it is the belief that has been chronicled for some people where they believe that they are the, you know, the focus of a lifelong hidden camera television show. And they think that the entire world is designed to be part of this show. In which case, if you're listening this episode is not about you. No. No. It's about the 1998 film, The Truman Show. A complete a fiction. A work of fiction written by yeah. Andrew Nichol. Yeah. Okay. So we're clear about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, but it's also, uh, you know, they point to a lot of the studies in this BBC article. They they point to social media and just the widespread access to it, in addition yeah. to the additional surveillance allowed legally after 9-11, um, yeah. Patriot Act, there was just a lot more. I mean, the fact that we have cameras on our on our phones and on our computers. and On that, our front doors. Yes. Yeah. That, I mean, yes, there are cameras everywhere. Yeah. And... and, and- you know, there there are there are movies, you know, on the last episode, we talked a little bit about the Fast and the Furious franchise there. A lot of the uh, films focus on this device called the God's Eye that can locate anybody because yeah. everybody is everywhere traceable all the time on cameras. And yeah. your, you know, your location is, you know, being tracked always. And uh, I mean, at the, in 1998, such a thing wasn't true there was cctv in places but look how far we've come yeah yeah we really i mean i can understand how people would you know perhaps become delusioned to believe this kind of a thing certainly it's it sounds terrible but i i see i see how this could happen and yeah just knowing how focused so many people are on the need to create content and if you are not online then you are nothing at all and if you are online and you don't post three times a day 
then you're not worth anything. And it's, uh, you know, the fact that social media is so monetized that for a lot of people, it's the way that they, it's their career is to just be a personality. Oh, that's just being a person. I've had students tell me that's what they, I'm going to be a YouTuber. I'm going to be an influencer. Being a YouTuber, I think is a one step away because I, I know that, and it depends on what you're doing on YouTube. For a lot of people, I think that it's like, you know, a way to show things that they are doing. Maybe it is uh live streaming gaming or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Or, yeah. Um, but for a lot of people, it's just like, everybody wants to know my thoughts on everything. So here's me doing, you know, my daily ritual of X, Y, and Z and drinking a smoothie and showing off a product as I narrate with my musings on life. And that's just being a person, but in a, you know, in a finely curated way. So there are people who are very willingly putting themselves out there for this and making their living that way. A really good living. Well, that's well, not to say that. Okay. Monetarily a good living. Some people, I mean, but then there's other people who do the same thing and they're not getting paid. They're just doing it. No. Uh, yes. Some people are just doing it, but with the idea that, you know, it would turn into something else. Yeah. But and, yeah. and who are we to say that that's a bad way to live? Because I'm sure that for some people it is uh, enriching in, in certain ways. And I know that for a lot of people it's helped them overcome uh, adversity or, yeah. uh, you know, hardships that they're going through. And... Uh, I don't think that there's there's anything wrong with with that. And certainly, you know, I've learned a lot from people on social media um, just about other ways that people live their lives and people who have different backgrounds than I do. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, maybe people, I, you know, if I see a lot of people on like TikTok, uh, the uh, the algorithm really wants me to to and probably because I follow certain accounts, but a lot of people who are on the autism spectrum and celebrating their lives and sharing their experiences and sharing the things that get them through their day, so they can educate people about what it is to be neurodivergent. So, yeah. oh yeah, I mean, and it's like if you're you know not into that, it's it's you know pretty easy to not yeah follow it and not you don't have to follow it absolutely yeah Yeah. no i oh yeah i or maybe you're just posting videos of yourself harassing matt gates in washington dc and for that i salute you. oh oh absolutely like no (laughs) look 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 the internet has has given us many wonderful things you know yeah but that's the thing is it's all it's all a choice and if 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 you don't like the idea of people having their own you know social media guys you just don't have to follow them yeah and you don't have to use social media yeah it's fine you can kind of you can kind of do like what truman does at the end of the truman show and just spoiler alert yeah peace out it's 25 years later (laughs) yeah uh you can just walk out the door i feel like that's what kind of what truman what truman kind of does is is he uh you know 
yeah, he just kind of logs off there. Yeah. At the end. Yeah, so Dan, they uh, they did the whole psychological disorder thing. Uh, what would you do with, with uh, The Truman Show all these years later? <laughs> oh, man. Well, you know what, John? I think I would just go... I, um, I, I was going to say straight up sequel, uh, a sequel. I, I okay. would go, I would pick up with this, with Truman. Where is Truman 25 years later? And, you know, maybe that's what I was thinking too. Maybe. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, and not in a bad way. I think it's, it's, it's an obvious choice in so many ways for this one. I think, you know, first of all, just because, uh, Jim Carrey, Laura Linney, Noah Emmerich, Ed Harris, uh, you know, these are all people. Working actors. Yeah, that <laughs> that could come back. And Giamatti. Giamatti. Uh, there's not, you know, there's different ways that, that you could do it. And you could do it kind of kind of like how they have the document. You bring Harry Shearer back. Um, yeah. You could kind of do it the way that they almost have like a documentary about it in the film. And then you could have like, you know, have it as, you know, documentary you know where is truman 25 years later or honestly i'd be interested if it was a straight up dramatic film and it was and we just we picked up where is truman is he still is it like i imagine not going by the name truman burbank what has he done like has he just like gone off to live somewhere has he gone on adventures uh you know what what has he done since leaving? And it would be interesting to do it at, you know, at the 30 year mark because it's 30 years on yeah. 30 well, years. Off. And that's exactly what I was thinking is, you know, how is he roughly the same amount of time out of sea Haven as he was in sea? Yeah. And yeah. uh, you know, what's become of Christoph. But I think that uh, for Truman, what I'd really want to see is like, how has this, impacted him psychologically like yeah how is he getting by like what does he have to do in order to cope you know how can he trust anything and uh, i i feel like it's more of a i i guess more traditional sequel rather than doing more like documentary style mm -hmm. um would be a little bit more satisfying because you can really you know, find him in vulnerable moments and, uh, you know, seeing, but of course we want to, you know, not just drop in and, and just get a glimpse, but you know, what is the plot, you know? Well, yeah. Is there yeah. a, you know, uh, has there not been another 24 seven raising a baby through adulthood on television, but maybe they're going to do it again. And this is, you know, Truman's opportunity to help somebody as maybe one of he my needs dogs to, is going nuts. Maybe he needs to, you know, uh, reemerge. Maybe he's been living uh, peacefully. Yeah. And quiet. Although, I mean, With it's Sylvia. like, what, what do you do when you um, go out into a world where everybody knows your face? What does he? And no, I'm not suggesting a face-off uh, um, crossover. No, but you know, 
I'm sure there are many ways, you know, first of all, this is the rubber faced man we're talking about. Oh, I, yeah, no, I was just about to say, perhaps he dons a mask. You know, and it's, I, okay, this is also to say, uh, and Jim Carrey, if you're listening, sure, go ahead and, and try and make this happen. But from what I understand, he's, you know, really, is he retiring from acting? I think that he's, he just did the second Sonic the Hedgehog movie. And then I think he's pretty much done i wonder though if the right script came along and the right like it would be great to have andrew nickel write a follow-up script and perhaps he has i don't know um and for peter weir to come back i don't don't, don't know if i need to have like the original creative team back because we do have so many amazingly talented psychological thriller science fiction uh, who would you alex have? garland type people out there i feel like i would do alex garland for like a a remake oh for a remake of it maybe not because a sequel to the truman show i think would be much more of a a human uh drama and much more psychological so, i mean yeah i i see it being really dark i, I don't know I don't, but yeah, but I don't know, but maybe not really dark. I, there's so many ways you could go with it. And I, I definitely think it would take some, you know, psychological expertise. Not us. You'd have to do some research to, you know, really kind of figure out, okay, what would be the impact on someone who has lived almost 30 years in, uh, an artificial environment that's built right. around them, entirely around them, compared to living in a world that otherwise doesn't give a shit about them. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's a thousand ways it could go, and it's not up to us to figure it all out. We're just here to offer our our gentle suggestions for the universe to perhaps hear and 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 either make happen or more likely completely ignore. And I uh, on that note I'd love to to hear all of your suggestions our dear listeners. Uh if you have thoughts about what you'd want uh, a a new revisiting of the Truman show to be uh, please email us ruinedchildhoodspod at gmail.com. And also, you know, please check out all of our social media stuff, Ruin Child at Ruin Childhoodspod on Instagram. And uh yeah, check out our T Public store. We'd love to hear what everybody thinks about um the Truman Show, Planet of the Apes, any of the other episodes that we've done, or perhaps the next movie that we're covering. Dan, do you want to tell everyone <laughs> what that's gonna be? Movie or movies <gasps> another because franchise perhaps we are dipping yeah no we're dipping our toes back into the franchise pool and much like planet of the apes um this one has spawned sequels a remake animated series television show uh and of course um but i'm most looking forward to revisiting the original 1987 classic robocop we're going from peter weir to peter weller nice we're making it happen i'm so excited i you know we talked a few episodes ago about robocop and how uh you know i i mentioned i don't think i've seen any of the other ones aside from 
the first one. I I've seen the the reboot, but uh, the RoboCop sequels I haven't seen. But I will soon. I have not seen RoboCop three, so I think that's where I'm. And it's been a long time since I've seen RoboCop two, so I feel like I'm starting there. RoboCop is one of those movies I I will revisit every oh, every few years. It's great. You know, time has come. Kurtwood Smith. Yeah. Forget it. Bitches leave. Love it. Can't wait. Oh, there's going to be so much. Yeah. So much of that. Okay. Well, Dan, I am excited for it. I, I, I look forward to, to visiting those, uh, those classics and, and getting my fill of Kurtwood Smith. And, uh, until then, I hope that you, while traveling finally to Fiji, a good journey. Good journey. Good journey.